Well, good morning, church. How we doing? It's been a while. Y'all keeping cool in this heat? I didn't get much of an answer on that from first service either. So let's try this. Anybody watching World Cup soccer? Just have one thing to say. Arriba la celeste, which is let's go Uruguay. That's right, you can clap on that. So I have been gone a couple of weeks and and just want to tell you that to be able to share Sunday morning, to be able to not be here. So so in those couple weeks, there's been some weeks where I've not been at MBIC and some of those weeks where I've been at MBIC but not here on the platform. To be able to share our Sunday mornings and to know that we have a team that, that can jump up here and do this, that is a huge blessing. To know that I can, I can not be here and, and that you are, are well served by the team of pastors that, that, that God has blessed us with is huge for me. This morning we are in our final Sunday in our Acts series. Anybody have questions on that? Like, wait a minute. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts and we're only going to be on Acts chapter 20. What is the deal with that? Well, the the deal with that is that I have wanted to explore the book of Acts with you now for quite some time, and one of the reasons for doing this now, actually one of my primary reasons was because we are looking at the very same scriptures that our our children's ministry is also looking at. We're looking at the very same scriptures that, that our kids' ministry has been looking at over these last 12 weeks, and so if through this series, you've wondered, like today, we're in, in the first part of Acts 18 and in the back part of Acts 18, and then we jump over to Acts chapter 20. If you're thinking, why are we bringing those scriptures together? It's really driven by the fact that we've been looking at those, those very same scriptures that our little ones through fourth grade are looking at in Sunday school, and their curriculum, the Gospel Project curriculum, has driven the, the, the passages, the scriptures that you and I have been looking at across this series. And since Acts chapters 21 through 28 detail Paul's arrest and process at the hands of the Romans, a period of time in which Paul writes a number of his New Testament letters. Our children's curriculum uses that as an opportunity to dive into those New Testament letters. And they're going to camp out on those New Testament letters now for the next couple of months. And so in this synergy that we have tried to create between what we do here as adults and what our kids are doing, this is our last week in the book of Acts, at least for now. In one of those New Testament letters, Paul writes, as he's in prison, Paul writes this to the church in Colossae. This is out of of Colossians chapter 4. He writes, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and, don't miss this, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Paul says in Colossians 4, make the most of every opportunity. 
Right? This is exactly what Paul is doing as he's in prison. Right? Paul is making the most of every opportunity. He can't get to people, but people are free to come to him. Paul is making the most of every opportunity. Paul can't go to people, but he sure can write letters. And Paul is doing that. Paul is making the most of every opportunity. That is Paul's MO, regardless of the circumstance. And we're going to see this very same thing this morning in our passages coming out of the book of Acts. But before we go there, I want you to do something for me. I want you to think back to to the last time that you experienced something truly amazing. So what was it and then what did you do with that experience? As you think how you'd answer this question, let me tell you my story. Certainly not the most amazing thing that has happened to me, but for sure a wow moment that has happened in these last couple of months. So there's this athlete that I follow. I watch him on TV. I follow him on social media. Maybe more appropriately, I stalk him on social media. I don't know him for sure, but I am absolutely a fan. He's from this area, and Cindy meets his mom talks to her for like 15 minutes and at the end of that conversation his mom says hey if your husband ever wants to meet my son I can arrange that (laughs) and so right after that conversation Cindy gets the car and the very first thing she does is she she facetimes me and tells me about that entire interaction and so because this, this conversation gets, gets broadcast out on the internet, and I just told you that I stalked this person online, I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I am a huge fan. I've watched this guy on TV, follow him on social media. Cindy meets his mom, and as she's telling me this, I am so blown away. I'm like, no way. I am so amazed by that conversation that the very first thing I do with that experience, and this is my answer to that second question, the very first thing that I do with that experience is I text a friend, and he has the very same reaction as well. No way, that's amazing. For me, my answer to question number two is I told somebody I had to tell someone. In that experience, your amazing experience that you're thinking of, I wonder, what did you do? How many of you in that amazing experience, how many of you did exactly what I did? You had to tell somebody, you had to share that amazing experience. If that's you, can I just see your hands? And I would encourage you to hold your hands up and look around, right? So many of us have our hands up right now. And you know why that is? Because that's the way that you are built. When you have an amazing experience, you are compelled to tell somebody. You are compelled to share that joy. We are wired as humans to share our amazing experiences. And we're going to see that this morning as we, we dive back into the book of Acts for one last time in this series. And this morning, reading our scripture for us is Marcus Huber. Marcus Acts 18, 1 through 4. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. 
They had left Italy when Claudius, Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. Acts eighteen twenty four through 28 Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Acts twenty seventeen through 38 But when we landed in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as he embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. So for sure, a lot there in those three passages. But the thing that I think that ties all three of those snapshots together 
is that Paul is using, just like he he mentioned in Colossians chapter 4, Paul is using every opportunity, every interaction as a platform to proclaim Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to point to Jesus. In Acts chapter 18, right, when we see in those first couple of verses, when we see Paul in the, the Jewish synagogue in Acts 18 verse 4, it's kind of what we expect out of Paul, right? He, he's there and he's working to convince the Jews and the Greeks that Jesus is the Messiah, that, that Jesus is God come to us who lived the perfect life that you and I could not live, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose victoriously on that third day and is now sitting at the, the right hand of the Father advocating for you and for I. Right? We expect to see a guy like Paul in a church-like setting, but did you catch in verse 3, and it's here on the screen, did you catch where, as, as, as verse, this verse starts, did you catch where Paul is at? Paul is at his job. Paul makes tense. We see Paul using his job as a platform to influence to have an impact on Aquila and Priscilla who are so influenced by Paul that they go with Paul when he leaves Corinth. Paul drops Priscilla and Aquila off in Ephesus and we see that in in chapter 18 verse 19 which we did not read together. And in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila encounter a guy named Apollos and as an extension of Paul's influence, Through Priscilla and Aquila, Apollos gets some clarity about who Jesus is and then uses his gifts to powerfully present Christ. And then we've got a final snapshot coming out of of Acts 20 of Paul in an entirely different context at at an impromptu leadership board meeting with this community of Jesus from the city of Ephesus where Paul passes the torch to the leadership of this church in this kind of farewell address where Paul drops lines like, this is 2021, I have had one message, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And then in verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And then Paul defines his work, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And so in these three very different snapshots coming out of the book of Acts, Paul is using everything as a platform to point to Christ. Paul is using his influence, both direct influence and indirect influence, to talk about Jesus in every instance, in every interaction, with every opportunity that he has, exactly what Paul talked about in Colossians chapter 4. Paul is using everything, every opportunity, everything at his disposal to point others to Christ. Our Mannheim BIC Leadership Board has been working through our church's vision points over these last couple of months, and we've specifically been working on this this vision point that we call missionary identity. I don't know if you realize it or not, but inside your bulletin every single week are all of our church's vision points, and and this, this vision point on missionary identity says in part that as a church, 
We are looking to encourage you to courageously reach beyond yourself to show Christ's love wherever God has placed you. If anything, this has been the entire point of the book of Acts. Can you see that the, the, the ethos of that missionary identity vision point is exactly what Paul, that's his MO in these three passages that we are looking at. And as our leadership board has been talking about how we can, as a church, help you to, to step into your missionary identity in a, in a tangible sort of way, as we have been having that conversation, here's where my mind goes as I read Acts chapter 18 and Acts chapter 20. We see Paul using every opportunity to share Jesus, to influence others to share Jesus. But why does Paul do that? What is Paul up to? Why can't Paul stop talking about Christ? What has Paul experienced that makes him want to to share Jesus in in every setting, no matter the setting? Remember those questions that I asked you a few moments ago? Talked about our amazing experiences? And we said that, that, that when you experience something amazing, it is like you are compelled to share that experience with someone. You are wired to, to, share those, to share those amazing experiences, to share your joy. Paul has had a life encountering, a life changing encounter with Jesus, and he's continued to have them throughout the book of Acts. That's what we've been seeing in this series. But let me show you the same thing from a different kind of story. A story where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman who has been rejected by society. A a woman who is from a people group that does not play nice with the people group that Jesus is from. A woman with a checkered past. And Jesus, despite all of that, comes to her, offers her new life, offers her forever life. Jesus reveals that he knows all about her checkered past and that there is healing from that past. There is a way forward. Jesus reveals to her that he is the Lord. And here's how that woman responds. This is John chapter 4, starting in verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Notice that there is no church-wide program here in John chapter 4. There's no church-wide initiative in John chapter 4. There's no training being offered in John chapter 4. There are no vision points being implemented in John chapter 4. There is simply just raw, wondrous amazement at the person of Jesus. And this woman, I don't think she can help herself. She is so amazed by what she has experienced with Jesus that she can't help but to go to to the very people that have ostracized her to the very people who have caused her pain. She's not just going to her family. She's not just going to her friends. She is going to this village that has caused her pain. When does that happen? And she tells them, guys, you have got to come and see this. And so if we bring all of this back to what we're seeing in Acts 18 and in Acts 20, 
If we bring all of this back to you and I, here's the thing. This is my kicker for the morning. This is my big idea for today. Here's what I need you to see. The more amazed you are by Jesus, the more you will share Jesus. The more amazed you are by Jesus, the more you will share Jesus. Using the situations, using the interactions, using the opportunities, using your influence to talk about Christ. It's pretty clear that Paul is amazed by Jesus. It's pretty clear that this Samaritan woman is amazed by Jesus. Amazed by Jesus so that they can't help but to talk about Jesus. They can't help but to use their interactions and their opportunities and their influence to point people to Christ. I wish I could sit down with every single one of you and talk about this. And if you told me, Brian, I struggle with this, know that I struggle with this too. But if you told me, Brian, I struggle with this to use my interactions, my opportunities, my influence to point others to Jesus. You have to know that that is less a witnessing problem and it's more a wonder problem. Does that make sense? Your sense of amazement at how God has loved you through Jesus, that fire needs to have some gasoline poured onto it. Because like we've already established, to share your wonder, to share your amazement is simply the way that you are wired. It is simply the way that you are built. You are wired to share, to tell other people about the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you amazement. And there is nothing that is more amazing in this life and in the life to come than the way that God has loved you through his son, Jesus. If you are finding it hard and uncomfortable to use the interactions, the opportunities, the influence that you have to share Christ, to point to Christ, you want to restore that sense of wonder? You want to restore that sense of amazement. Here's one way to do it. I'm going to give you this and we're going to close. I would invite you to simply find a passage in the scriptures that talks to who God is and what God has done. Simple passage works best. Like the one that we're about to read coming out of the book of Colossians. Find a passage. We're going to read Colossians 1, Philippians 2, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, Revelation chapter 4, Psalm 89, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 32. Find a passage. Read it. Read it slowly. Read it again. Read it some more. Read it the next day. Read it the day after that. As a matter of fact, before you read that same passage that you're going to camp out, I invite you to pray this out loud to declare it. God, give me a greater sense of who you are. God, give me a a greater sense of, of, of how much you love me. 
God, give me a greater sense, a greater glimpse of all that you have done for me. God, give me a greater sense of all that you have provided for me. God, speak to me through these words that I might get a greater sense of just how amazing you are. And keep reading. Across the days until you get that greater sense, until his love starts to seep down into your gut and down into your bones and down into your soul. This is Colossians chapter one. I've used this before, but I'm coming back here again because Paul cannot stop talking about how amazing, how beautiful Jesus is and says it here in such a powerful way. This is Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 13. For he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything and was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault.